Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be doing meditation together as part of our group learning program. I'd like to welcome all of you coming together in order to encourage, support, and motivate each other in our meditation practice. Each Wednesday we get together right here, either on Facebook, YouTube, on Zoom, and all the other places that we live stream to in order to come together as a community and spend some time meditating, carving out space in our life in order to dedicate time to training the mind and eliminating this pollution of mind. Through practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, we're eliminating the pollution or the taint or the defilement of craving, desire, attachment. This is that mental longing with a strong eagerness where the mind isn't content to just be in the present moment. It's longing, it's yearning, it's got this strong eagerness chasing after the objects of its affection. And in doing so, the mind causes itself discontentedness. It causes itself this anger, sadness, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, resentment, jealousy, all of these discontent feelings and others are all being caused by this same unwholesome root of craving desire attachment so it's breathing mindfulness meditation which is the primary training that we use in order to eradicate this from the mind there's other training as well but this is the ongoing steady consistent training that we're doing through our meditation practice and then of course there's generosity that we practice as well in order to train the mind to not hold on to our time effort energy and resources just being selfish and holding on real tight. So by practicing generosity, it trains the mind to let go and let go. And then there's other training as well that's part of this eightfold path that the Buddha shared in order to move the mind to this enlightened mental state where it's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. But as long as there's craving, desire, attachment in the mind, it won't experience the peacefulness. And any time that you experience discontent feelings, you can trace it back to one or several craving, desires, attachments. So through developing your meditation practice where two or three times a day, you're dedicating time to train with breathing mindfulness meditation, you're working to eliminate that unwholesome root or that poison or that defilement, that fire of craving desire attachment where there's this burning want or this expectation this unquenchable thirst where the mind is just longing to acquire the objects of its affection and if it doesn't get what it wants it's going to experience those painful feelings and if it gets what it wants it experiences those 
temporary pleasant feelings which are ultimately unsatisfying because they're only temporary. So if we base our feelings on some condition of I got a new car or I got a new job or I got a raise at work or I got a new friend or I got a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend, I got a new pair of clothes, a new pair of shoes, any of these conditions. While we'll use these things and we'll need these things in our life as we go throughout our life's journey, it's when the mind attaches its inner feelings, when it's craving and yearning for these things that these pleasant feelings arise in the mind. And then they're temporary and they fade. And then the mind chases after the next object of our affection. And if we don't get the objects of our affection, then that's when we experience those painful feelings of anger, sadness, frustration, and all those others. So it's in breathing mindfulness meditation that we train the mind to reside in the present moment by focusing on the breath and ensuring that as the mind moves to the past or to the future or there's thoughts or ideas or anything that comes to the surface, we cut that off and let it go, bringing the mind back to the breath, training it to reside peaceful and content on the breath and only with the breath. The other thing that we're doing in breathing mindfulness meditation is we're cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind. By cultivating mindfulness or awareness of mind, we're going to need to concentrate, having singleness of mind, developing that right concentration, concentrate on the breath, and then developing the awareness where we understand and can observe any thoughts that are starting to arise. So we start to develop this awareness of mind or mindfulness. We develop this concentration, the singleness of mind, being able to focus on the breath. And when we notice that the mind is off the breath, we cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath. You're not going to be eliminating thoughts. That's not the goal. What the goal is is to arise or cultivate these wholesome qualities of mindfulness and concentration while we're eliminating this craving desire attachment, making it easier and easier to observe when the mind is off the breath. We do that through mindfulness and then making it easier and easier to let go of whatever the mind is longing for. And then this becomes very beneficial in our daily life because then as you're going through life and say you had a craving to eat at a certain restaurant and you really wanted to eat at that restaurant and you show up and the restaurant's closed, rather than holding on to that restaurant and getting angry, if you have trained your mind well, you can easily let that go and realize that, okay, that's just impermanence. This restaurant can't permanently be open, it's closed, so therefore let me find something to eat somewhere else and the mind can remain calm and rather than arising any painful feelings or having any kind of disturbed feelings that are going to not only come into the mind, but then affect the condition of the mind for a longer term basis. So by training the mind this way and breathing mindfulness meditation, we're getting these benefits of training during meditation, but then they actually benefit us in daily life because by eliminating craving desire attachment out of the mind, it then becomes more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy to eventually you get to the point where if there's no craving, desire, attachment in the mind, then it will just always reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, never experiencing any more discontentedness as a result of this pollution of craving. So I'd like to welcome all of you guys and thank you once again for joining 
and choosing to come together as a group to support, encourage, and motivate each other. I would like to pause, though, for a second and see if there's any questions you guys might have before we actually go into our guided meditation. The way that you can ask questions is in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You can put those into the comment section. Or in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and we'll be able to make sure that your questions get asked during the class and answered as we go. And we'll also open up for questions at the end of meditation too for anybody who has questions after meditation. Hello teacher, doesn't seem to be any question for now. Okay, so let's go ahead and go right into meditation then. So you can take one of those positions that I was talking about on Sunday, either seated, lying, or standing. We don't typically do walking as part of our online class because it's just a bit challenging to have a camera to actually follow someone while they're walking. But if you take a seated position, which most people would typically do, that would just be either seated on the floor or seated in a chair. If you're on the floor, you might put some cushions under your rear in order to get your, your rear up in the air and kind of lessen the angle at the hips, the knees, and the ankles. Cross your legs in front of you, but just do that lightly. No need to make them real tight or real forceful because then you're going to inhibit the circulation and just feel pain. And if the mind is just experiencing pain throughout the meditation, it would be hard for you to arise those wholesome qualities of mindfulness and concentration while eliminating this craving desire attachment. So just cross your legs lightly in front of you. If at any point during the meditation you feel any pain or discomfort, just shift the body or change positions in order to get the body comfortable. You would like the body to be comfortable, but not luxurious, right? You, you, you would like to maintain the alertness and the attentiveness of the mind by keeping the body alert and attentive, comfortable, but not luxurious and also not painful. So once your lower body is comfortable, either sitting on the floor or in a chair, you might cross your legs at the ankle or put the feet flat on the floor. You would then like to put your hands and arms in the lap. You might put your right hand on top of your left with your thumbs together. That's the way the Buddha did it. But if for some reason that's not comfortable for you, because not everyone is going to feel that that is comfortable, then you might decide to place your palms on your thighs, your knees, or your arms on the armrest. Just ensure that when you get into your position for seated meditation, that the lower body and the hands and arms are just completely unengaged. There's no muscles that have any tension. You're not tensing any of the muscles or even really using any of the muscles. They should just be completely relaxed. The upper body should be erect. That's a bit different. You would like to keep your muscles in your upper body erect around the spine so that the mind stays attentive and alert during meditation. The meditation, there's actual work. You're applying real effort during the meditation to train the mind. So you need to keep the mind attentive and alert. It's not a time to just zone out and completely relax because you need to do the work to actually train the mind, eradicating the pollution and arising these wholesome qualities. So the way that you keep the mind attentive and alert is by keeping the upper body erect during meditation. And this keeps the mind attentive and alert during your meditation. Next, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just take some nice, gradual, consistent breaths. 
Breathing in through the nose. And out through the nose. Breathing in. And out. Your breath isn't going to necessarily match up to the guidance that I'm providing, that's fine. Everyone's a little bit different. This guidance is just to remind you to breathe in through the nose, experiencing the full breath, not trying to control the breath or force it, just experience the full inhale, And the full exhale, just gradually out through the nose. Breathing in. And out. I'm going to do some chanting just to kind of ease us into meditation. Then I'm going to come back with some more guidance after the chanting. You can just focus on breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Or you're welcome to join into the chanting if you know these chants. Nap-mo-er-ha-sa-bha-ka-wa-to 
gradual, steady breaths, breathing in, naturally in through the nose, and out through the nose. Breathing in, Observing the breath on the inhale and breathing out, observing the breath on the exhale. Start fixating the mind to the sound of the breath the sound of the air coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving into the nose. This is the present moment. This is the object of your meditation, the breath. Fixate the mind on the breath. Breathing in. fixating the mind on the breath. If you become aware that the mind has moved off the breath for any reason, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. 
Breathing in. And out. I'm going to be quiet now so that the mind doesn't even hold on to the sound of this voice. This way you can go internal and just focus on the breath. Anytime you observe that the mind is not on the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do right now. Nobody needs you for anything. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. In, out.
to slowly make your way out of meditation. I would like to invite you guys to ask any questions that you'd like to ask, whether it's about meditation or anything else along this path to enlightenment. We can open up to any questions that you guys might have. You can just put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. Our moderators will see those and be sure your question gets asked during the class. Or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom and you'll be able to ask your question or follow-up question directly. Well, uh, it seems that some monks in monasteries tend to keep their fixed uh, animals, dogs or cats or whatever fixed animals, uh, close to them when they are chanting, uh, thinking that keeping these animals, listening to this chanting, will provide them a better rebirth in a future life. Do you agree with this? Well, 
it's not whether I agree with it or not. It's just what, you know, people choose to do, what people choose to believe. You know, when you go to temples in places like Thailand, uh, which is where I've been to most of the temples that I've ever visited, you'll see a lot of animals. You'll see uh, dogs and cats, chickens, all different kind of animals. And even if they're not animals, there's going to be lots of statues of animals around. And this is to help us remember that we've had countless animal births in the past and that, you know, thank goodness we're in this human realm that now we have the opportunity to attain enlightenment. One of the reasons why you see a lot of stray animals around temples is because after the monks eat and the household practitioners eat, they will set out any extra food they have for the stray animals, helping them to not have to fight and be aggressive in order to get their food, which, yes, it does help them to improve their rebirth because if they were fighting or killing or being aggressive and being hostile in order to get food, it would result in continuous rebirth. But if they can at least extinguish some of that aggression and some of that hostility in the animal life, it can help them to experience a better rebirth in their future rebirths. And then what some people feel is that these animals that are around the temple, if they hear some of the words of the Buddha or they understand even just a little bit of the teachings, even as a dog or a cat or a chicken or something like this, it can help them just a little bit in order to experience a better rebirth. So any kind of training that an animal would experience in their animal birth, whether it's living side by side with human beings and being more domesticated and not having to be so fierce and aggressive and kill, animals can experience a better rebirth because based on the natural law of gamma, they're extinguishing some of their craving, some of their anger, and maybe even a little bit of their ignorance or unknowing of true reality through now realizing that they get fed when they're polite and when they're kind and when they're warm and gentle. They get food where maybe in other animal existences, they had to be aggressive and hostile and maybe even steal in order to get food. So all of these animals are going to need to be reborn in order to experience enlightenment. They can experience enlightenment in their animal birth, but they can at least do a little bit of cultivation of the mind to get to a better animal rebirth or back into the human realm or into some other birth that will be an improved existence beyond the animal realm. Because being in the animal realm, it's almost like being trapped in a prison where there's just constant rebirth over and over, which I'm sure every one of us have experienced in the past, but we may or may not remember those right now at this time. But there's a very good chance that every single person who's hearing this has had countless animal rebirths. And now that we're in the human realm, our goal is to focus on our own practice, but where we can provide opportunity for others to improve the condition of their mind, like what some monastics or ordained practitioners do with animals being around the temple, then great, you know, so be it. A pregnant body, we're talking about a, a, the strategy of breathing in and out from the nose. From the nose. Some people, it seems that some people tend to breathe in from the nose and out from the mouth. Do you think there are, there is any difference between these two strategies or ways of breathing? 
I've done this before when I used to live in America. I had a lot of trouble with sinuses. I used to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. I noticed that for me, the meditation seems much better when I just breathe in and out through the nose. But that's not to say that it wouldn't be effective to breathe in and through the nose and out through the mouth. The important thing is, is to stay fixated on the breath whether that's coming in through the nose or in through the mouth. There are some people in the world that don't have a nose and they can't breathe through their nose. So they breathe in through their mouth or some people have a tracheotomy and they, they breathe through you know a little hole in their, in their neck. So the breath itself is the present moment. So whether we fixate that on the nose or in and out of the mouth or even like a tracheotomy or some other type of breath, that mechanism of the breath that is the present moment. So by fixating the mind on that breath, wherever it's coming in and out, that's going to bring the mind into the present moment. And then we develop that awareness of mind or mindfulness so that when the mind is off that fixation, that breath, that then we know we're aware of that and then we can cut it off, let it go and bring it back. So what I would suggest people to do is try some different options. You know, train with the knows if that's what you're able to do is breathe in and out through the nose that's probably most ideal but every once in a while perhaps when you have a cold or you have a stuffy nose and you can't breathe through your nose then try in and out of your mouth or if if you are a person who doesn't have a ability to breathe through the nose or ability to breathe through the mouth you know you, you use whatever you have available to you and the important thing is is that any living being is going to have a breath pretty much so therefore all of us humans that are walking on this path we can fixate on that breath wherever it's coming in and out of and guidance while meditation you shared that you will be quiet for a while to help us not to cling to the voice is this the way the mind cultivates and develops clinging and a, a rhythms is that something happens regularly so that the mind gets used to it and then craves it as a permanent thing? Yeah, once the mind experiences certain things, it will hold on to it. It will cling, right? The mind is a master. The unenlightened mind, the untrained mind is a master at holding on and clinging to things. This is why we hold on to the past, the certain experiences that we've had. The mind will just hold on to it and hold on to it and just experience this continuous cycle of sadness or anger or frustration or even pleasant feelings you know certain pleasurable things happen to us in the past it's almost like on a repeat where the mind is just replaying that over and over and over in the mind and holding on to it and then it either becomes fearful that those things are going to happen in the future or it wants those things it craves those things to happen in the future if they're pleasant and this is the mind's craving and clinging and this is what causes the mind to be discontent so in your meditation practice you would like to get to a point where the mind isn't clinging to anything whether it's a app or your teacher guiding you or music or some scent or some special pillow or blanket or anything like this while you may use those type of things occasionally what you would like to do is kind of mix up your meditation practice where you're not allowing the mind or giving it the opportunity to hold on to these things permanently so while i do a good amount of meditation here in my bedroom 
I am usually mixing things up. You know, I'm using different pillows, different blanket. I'll even go different places. I'll sometimes meditate in the living room downstairs. I meditate at temples. I meditate in hotel rooms as I travel. This is to train the mind to be able to understand impermanence and realize that you're not going to allow it to cling on to any one particular thing. And when you move the mind around like this, training it to be able to meditate with just the body, the mind and the breath, then your meditation practice is liberated. It's not attached or holding on to an app or to your teacher's voice or to a certain location or certain material objects in order to meditate. If you've got all this stuff that you need in order to meditate, that's just the mind holding on and clinging. So you'd like to mix these things up, including your teacher. You wouldn't be interested in having a teacher talk all the way through the meditation because this essentially is just allowing the mind to replace whatever it's craving and clinging to. Now it's clinging to the teacher's voice. So it's not truly getting liberated if you experience having music or a teacher guiding you all the way through the meditation, you're just replacing what the mind is holding on to. So instead of thinking about bills or instead of thinking about what you're going to eat or instead of thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, you're just holding on to the teacher's voice. And while you may feel like, okay, that teacher has a calming voice, a pleasant voice, and oh, this makes me feel really relaxed, you haven't really truly eliminated the pollution of craving or clinging by just residing in the present moment on the breath and only the breath, training the mind to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy with just the breath. That's what you've got to get used to so that you're aware of the thoughts when they're arising. You have that right mindfulness. You develop that right concentration or singleness of mind where you're just focused on the breath and you eliminate the mind's longing and clinging, trying to hold on to your teacher's voice or some other object. Instead, just focus on the breath and only the breath. So does this mean that any thoughts that come to the mind while meditation are only, are necessarily because of craving, attaching for these thoughts or memories? Not necessarily. There's thoughts that can come to the mind, it doesn't necessarily mean the mind's craving because like I mentioned, even an enlightened being is going to have thoughts during meditation. An enlightened being is going to have thoughts outside of meditation too, but an enlightened being doesn't have craving. They don't have desire. They don't have attachment. They don't have this mental longing with a strong eagerness. So in an enlightened mind in meditation, when there's a thought that arises, an enlightened being is going to be able to observe that thought very quickly, and they're going to be able to easily let it go and bring the mind back to the breath. So there's still going to be thoughts there for an enlightened being. For an unenlightened mind that is untrained, it's going to indulge in that thought. It's going to go for really long periods of times, and then, oh, there's a thought. Oh my goodness, let me let that go. So an unenlightened mind is going to have more of a challenge to be aware when it's off the breath and the time that it's off the breath is going to be longer and it's going to be more challenging for the unenlightened mind to let that go and come back to the breath. So both an unenlightened being and an enlightened being is going to have thoughts during meditation, but the difference is, is that the enlightened mind is going to be aware of it very quickly and be able to very easily let it go. And that's what you're working towards is that in meditation, you're 
observing the mind through just fixating on the breath. And any time you observe that the mind's off the breath, you can just easily let that go because you observe that it's off the breath. You easily let it go and come right back to the breath. Well, sometimes what comes to the mind are just painful memories from the past. Why does the mind crave these painful memories? They are not pleasing. <laughs> There's two different aspects to the mind. The craving, the mental longing and the strong eagerness. This is where the mind is yearning and longing for something. The clinging is where the mind holds on to something. So the memories from the past, those painful memories that some minds hold on to, that's the clinging. That's not the actual craving, right? That's the actual clinging where the mind's holding on to the painful thoughts. The craving will be, okay, now if say there's a painful thought that the mind is clinging and holding on to from the past, and now there's this longing there's this yearning, there's this thinking that this same painful thing is going to happen in the future because the mind doesn't understand impermanence. Say we got in a fight with a man in a red jacket five years ago and this person beat us up really, really bad. And now we think that everyone who wears a red jacket is going to hurt us. And every time we see somebody with a red jacket on, we get fearful. That's because the mind is clinging to that experience from the past. But now it has this longing, this yearning, this thinking that somehow every single person in the future is, that has a red jacket is going to beat us up and harm us. So now what the mind tries to do is it tries to have a version. It tries to avoid people with red jackets. And it thinks that's going to solve the problem is just avoiding people with red jackets. But this doesn't actually solve the problem. The real problem is the mind is having this craving and this clinging, and we need to train the mind to let that go. And what breathing mindfulness meditation is doing, what generosity and these other aspects of the teachings is training the mind to let go and realize that that was just a one unique experience of a person in a red jacket that beat us up and abused us. And not everyone who wears a red jacket is going to do those same things. But the unenlightened mind doesn't understand that because it doesn't understand impermanence. And it doesn't understand that it's this craving and clinging that is really creating the problem. You know, what we might say is we might say this person has PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. But in reality, the mind isn't suffering from any defect or any problem what's really happening is the mind is just untrained and it's holding on it's clinging to this past experience and if it gets trained to let that go and kind of unravel the mind now it can reside peaceful and calm around anybody if they wear a red jacket or any other jacket because they're not going to be able to avoid people wearing red jackets for the rest of their life it's not possible so every time they come in contact with someone with a red jacket, if the mind is clinging to this past experience, there's going to be fear. There might be anger. There might be frustration. There might be sadness. Whereas if we understand what the real problem is, is that the mind is holding on to this. Now we can transform that through training the mind, liberate it from this experience. And now it can reside peaceful and content and joyful no matter what color jacket somebody has on. Well, it seems that with all impermanent, pleasant feelings, 
that the mind experiences in daily life, the mind is not permanently content. Does it, the mind is, seems that the mind will be only content when it attains permanent enlightenment. So does this mean that the mind will only be content when it finds permanence, which is enlightenment? The mind will only be content when it eliminates craving, desire, attachment. So it has to first get completely comfortable with impermanence in order for it to get to this permanent, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Because as long as the mind's craving permanence in this impermanent world, it's going to be discontent. So once the mind gets rid of this craving desire for permanence and it can just let go and not have this mental longing strong eagerness now because it's been trained to be comfortable with impermanence as impermanence is happening it won't get shaken up so that's why it can be permanently peaceful because it completely understands all these teachings it's eradicated the ignorance the unknowing of true reality it no longer has this mental longing and strong eagerness for things to be permanent and now it can reside permanently peaceful because as impermanence is happening in the world an enlightened mind just understands okay well this is just impermanent let me just apply some wisdom let me just you know address this situation and see where i can get it to a point where I would like this situation to be and an enlightened mind rather than craving permanence and holding on they're going to understand that all these things are shifting and changing and as they shift and change i'll just make wise decisions to shift and change with those things so it's not until the mind becomes completely comfortable and completely awakened to things like the universal truth of impermanence that it then experiences this permanent contentedness, this permanent joy, this permanent peacefulness, because now as impermanence is happening, the mind doesn't get shaken up. The thing that's shaking the mind up in the unenlightened state is impermanence. So as long as this unenlightened mind doesn't understand impermanence and it keeps craving permanence, it's gonna keep getting shaken up over and over and over again. So once the mind fully lets go, and understands this universal truth of impermanence now it's liberated it can be completely comfortable with things changing and now it experiences that permanent peacefulness because the impermanence no longer shakes it up it's good to ask for facebook questions so there's a question on facebook from uma she asks in 30 minutes of meditation can we begin forcefully focus the mind on breath for five minutes initially and gradually increase so that clinging on the thoughts will decrease. I don't suggest you force the mind. It's not a really good idea to kind of do anything forcefully. You should really ease into your meditation and then just gradually expand that amount of time longer and longer. If you're meditating for five minutes now, knowing the goal would be to get to 30 minutes or more, but if you're meditating for five minutes now and that's what you feel that you can do, then do that. And, and that's what you do. And then what you'll notice is you'll notice certain benefits with that. Even with just five minutes, people will notice benefits. But eventually, after two weeks or three weeks or however long it is, you're going to notice that ah, I need I need some more of that. I need I need more than five minutes. Let me go to 10 minutes or let me 
just take three extra breaths. When I feel like I'm done and I feel like I'm done with meditation, let me just take three more breaths. And then you take those three breaths and you're like, oh, I can take three more. Let me just take three more. And you kind of gradually expand it to longer and longer. And as you get closer to 30 minutes, you'll notice more and more changes. You'll notice more and more improvements. But even in those five minutes, those 10 minutes, those 15 minutes, as you're gradually working towards a 30-minute session, there's going to be benefits in there. The way that I think about it is I think about it like if the mind is really thirsty, like if you were really thirsty and you came over to a trough of water and you had a bucket and you're like, okay, you can scoop water here, uh, but you can only scoop for five minutes. Would you scoop for five minutes and would that be beneficial for you? Well, of course, because you're thirsty, I'll scoop water for five minutes and I'll get a certain amount in the bucket and that's going to be beneficial for me. And I'm going to benefit from those five minutes of scooping water. And then tomorrow, if I scoop for 10 minutes and then the next day I scoop for three minutes, the next day I scoop for 20, the next day I scoop for 15, whatever it is, you're still scooping water every single meditation session and you're accumulating more and more benefits in this bucket of water that you keep scooping. So when you're meditating, the ideal would be, yeah, stand there for 30 minutes and slowly, gradually scoop water and get every little drop of water in this bucket. That would be ideal. But you need to gradually build up to that because if you were scooping water for 30 minutes, your muscles would kind of wear out and that would be a bit challenging for you. So you gradually kind of get used to exercising the mind this way where it can meditate for 30 minutes or longer. And that takes a different amount of time for everybody. But that five minutes, that 10 minutes, whatever amount of time you're getting, you're getting benefit. It's just like scooping water and the mind's thirsty and it needs this uh, meditation. So whatever amount of time you can get, you know, go for it and then just work on gradually expanding it as much as you can until you get to the 30 minutes and beyond. Okay. Well, I would like to thank all of you guys for joining for today's class, coming together to encourage, support, and motivate each other by coming together as a community and meditating. Remember, this practice is your independent practice. We come together like this to support, encourage, and motivate each other. But what you should be doing is two to three times a day, carving out some time where you can be meditating and training the mind. And while the idea would be 30 minutes or more, you're still getting benefit at those other increments of time as well. And what you'll notice is, you know, just like maybe at one point, you know, one little bite of chocolate kind of satisfied uh, the body or the mind, and, and now you'd like a few more extra bites, meditation's the same way. You know, you'll kind of get used to it and you'll start seeing the benefits in it. Just like when we were children, we didn't see the benefits in taking a shower and brushing our teeth. Our parents had to remind us for many years to take a shower and brush our teeth until finally we started seeing the benefits in it. We're like, you know, I kind of like being clean. I kind of like it when the, the mouth doesn't have that weird taste in there. I'm going to start doing this on my own now. And we didn't have to need our parents to uh, remind us to keep brushing our teeth and, and taking a shower. We just knew to clean this physical body every day. Well, the same thing happens with the mind is once you get used to experiencing what it's like to have a cleaned out mind more and more and more, you're going to start noticing the benefits like, wow, that used to make me so angry and frustrated. And now 
I don't have those feelings anymore. And I like that feeling of having a cleaned out mind and remaining calm. I, I didn't like it when I was so angry before about that particular thing. So now when you start observing the benefits with the condition of the mind, just like you observe the benefits with brushing your teeth and taking a shower, you'll start having a tendency to start practicing meditation more regularly on your own and then gradually choosing to expand it as you go and as you feel like you need that. So be sure that you continue to dedicate time, effort, energy, and resources to meditating and also learning the Buddhist teachings because you wouldn't be able to just meditate your way to enlightenment. You need the teachings to build your wisdom. So that's why we use this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. You can download it by going to buddhadailywisdom.com, clicking on the link for free books, and it's completely free. You can also Take it and print it if you like, or you can order printed copies from Amazon if you'd like. So be sure that in addition to your meditation practice, that you're spending time, effort, energy, and resources to learn the teachings and gain the wisdom of what the teachings are because meditation is one component of your life practice. You need all these other components as well to fully inform your life practice. So next Wednesday, we're going to be doing loving kindness meditation, which is meant to eliminate anger, hatred, ill will, resentment, even this negative self-talk in the mind that some people may have. You can eliminate that through loving kindness and arising this in meditation and practicing it in daily life. So we're going to be doing that next Wednesday. This Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 12, which is craving is the problem. What is the solution? So if you understand craving, desire, attachments, the problem, then wonderful. We're going to revisit that and we're going to talk about that some more going through the three universal truths, the four noble truths, talking about the solution and how to actually implement this on an ongoing basis. So this would be a great time for anyone who has learned the four noble truths in the past to revisit that and refresh that. Or if you're new to our program, this would be a great time for you to really learn what is the primary problem that's causing this discontentedness in the mind and what's the solution to it and how to eliminate these discontent feelings. So we'll be doing that on Sunday. So thank you all for joining. We'll see you either Sunday or Wednesday, maybe even both of those days. In the meantime, have a lovely rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.